0: This is Reverend Charles Fenson. I'm the interim pastor at Presbyterian Church of the Covenant in Costa Mesa, California. This is the morning worship service. Our address is 2850 Fairview Road, Costa Mesa, California, 92626. Our website is pccov.org. And our Facebook page is pccov. And our email is info@pccov.org. We welcome you to this service. Our vision statement is that the Presbyterian Church of the Covenant is a Christ-centered community set free by grace and placed in our neighborhoods to serve and to invite all people into a wondrous relationship with God. God bless you as you worship with us.
1: You get to participate and sing virtually the whole service. Uh, and what we're going to do is interweave scriptures and songs. Uh, there will be some of our traditional things like a sermon, at a certain point, we'll leave that up to Charles. Uh, there is an arrangement of a, of a well known Christmas tune called Angels We Have Heard on High that I, I put together a couple of years ago, and we've done it here every year for a number of years now. It's, uh, it's not Presbyterian, so it's gonna, it's gonna put you on your toes a little bit. I, I'm sorry. And I'm only gonna ask you to stand twice in the whole service, and it's towards the front, and this is one of those moments. So as we start today's service, let's stand and let's join our voices together and celebrate the birth of the King.
0: For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the descendants of Levi and refine them like gold and silver until they present offerings to the Lord in righteousness. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old, as in former years."
2: to the Church of the Covenant. Welcome to this wonderful celebration and this festive season. A couple of announcements that I would like to give. Next Sunday, which is the 16th, after worship there will be a very brief congregational meeting for the purpose of electing the new deacons and elders for next year. So if you would... Put that onto your calendar and plan to stay for just a few minutes. For those of you who are going over to the Vanguard Theater this afternoon, pick up your tickets and your parking passes from Georgia O'Hara in Fellowship Hall. So it's uh, once upon a time at, at 2 p.m. So get your tickets and parking passes for those who will be going to that. The other activities of the church continue as usual this week, so all the Bible studies and everything is in session. Okay. Now, do we have any visitors with us today that we can greet and say hello to? Welcome Matthias, (laughs) we're always happy to have you here.
0: We welcome Dr. Freddie Elbadi here today from Cairo, Egypt, and he's gonna be speaking in a few moments, Dr. Freddie.
2: Welcome to you. Other visitors, just please be sure to sign the guest or the the attendance registrar and if you are new we want to be able to let you know and tell you how happy we are that you chose to worship with us today now if you would take just a few minutes to stand and greet one another we will begin worship
0: good morning and please be seated may we have all the children come forward for the children's story come on up Come on up. Youth, come. Young at heart, come. Dr. Freddie! come up, have a seat with our boys and girls. So welcome, boys and girls, on this second Sunday of Advent. We are coming toward the birth of our Savior, and we are glad that you are here. Dr. Freddie, Dr. Freddie Elbadi is here from Cairo. Can you raise your hand, Doctor? Where is Cairo? Who knows where Cairo is? Is it in Egypt? Okay, all right. Now, Dr. Freddie, you might. Um, Notice some of this yeah. currency. Yeah. What, is, what is this?
3: This is 50 pounds.
0: 50 pounds. Can you hold that for me? Uh, don't rip it. Yes, don't rip it up. <laughs> and what is this? this is 200 pounds. 200 pounds. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> Dr. Freddie operates a hospital called the Salam Medical Center. In Cairo, and he treats old people and middle aged people. Do you treat boys and girls? Sure. Okay. Do these people look healthy to you? Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. Do you want to go around and have them open their mouth and say ah? <laughs> and uh, 200 pounds. Who's got the 50? Who's got the 50? <laughs> Doctor, could you tell? Thank you, Everly. Could you tell the boys and girls a little bit about your hospital? We're not going to go a long time here, but just just share a little bit about your hospital.
3: Yeah, actually, this hospital, we, we treat the poor people who cannot get health care. Many people in Egypt are, are not able to get any good health care. So it's a Christian hospital by the church, and we, we help everybody, children, old people, uh, Christians and Muslims who hear more about people from other religions, maybe who don't like us, but we show them love with others. Side. We, we serve them. Uh, we show them love in a practical way. And could you tell us what your father does? Uh, your father? My father is a Presbyterian uh, minister. Uh, he retired two years ago, but he served uh, for 40 years as a church pastor. Uh, then uh, for 18 years as president of the churches of Egypt, the Protestant Church of Egypt.
0: And can you tell us, um, Dr. Freddie, what this is? This is a gift that he has brought to our church, and can you tell us about this? This is actually
3: a uh, handmade uh, craft, made in Egypt, made by some uh, uh, the people who, who make it actually are, are poor people, they, they do it and they, they sell it for, uh, hello! <laughs> So, the people who made this are are poor people who would like to uh, improve their income. So, they they make this in uh, handmade, it takes a long time. Uh, And then they they sell it uh, with some profit. So, I I bought it there and bought it for you, so that whenever you see it, you will remember Egypt.
0: Wonderful. Now, who has the 50... Oh, could you give that to Dr. Freddy for his hospital? (laughs) Thank you. And who has the 200? Could you give that to Dr.? (laughs) For the hospital? Thank you. And another? Thank you. For the hospital. Good, good. All right, let's fold our hands and bow our heads and pray. Oh God, we are thankful for Christians who are far away that do good work. We thank you for Dr. Freddie and his hospital. We pray your blessing upon that work. And we thank you for our doctors here in the U.S. that keep us healthy. But we know that you are the great physician. And you keep us all in your care and in your love. So watch over each boy and girl today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Off to your classes and activities. And I'm going to ask um, Dr. Elbadi to um, just, if you'd like to stand here and speak to us. And uh, you have six minutes, sir.
3: Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Thank you, Pastor, for giving me this chance. It was good to meet you in uh, in Cairo for a short time over coffee. Uh, Thank you for your invitation. I'm really happy to be in this beautiful church with this beautiful congregation. Uh, It's really hard to speak about Egypt uh, with a civilization of 7,000 years in six minutes. (laughs) But I'll try to be very brief. Uh, You probably know that Egypt is predominantly a Muslim country. Ninety percent of the population are Muslims. Ten percent are Christians. Uh, Among the Christians, uh, Presbyterians are the minority because the majority are Coptic Orthodox. So I come from the minority of the minority. Uh, We have a clear discrimination against Christians. And from time to time, some uh, fundamental attacks against Christianity. There's a a big restriction of freedom of faith. Uh, We cannot express our faith publicly. We can pray in our churches. but. You cannot speak to an unchristian about your, your faith. You will be put in jail for this if you are accused of evangelism. Uh, we had lately a lot of attacks against churches and Christian places. Uh, this vision of uh, showing our faith in a practical way actually uh, started 20 years ago uh, when I was just graduated from the medical school. Uh, I had this vision to serve the people in a community where there's a great need of healthcare. I know I've got some issues here with healthcare but we in Egypt, actually, 90% of the people are not covered by any kind of health insurance. Uh, it's, it's very difficult to access any quality health care. So we started to offer a small clinic uh, by the hospital, by the church. Our church is a very small church, and this is something to encourage you. The church I came from is 35 members' church, only 35, and it's, it's not a rich church. We can hardly pay our pastor's salary, uh, but we had this big vision and big... Uh, dream to to serve the people. So we offered this building, and we invited Christians and Muslims to work together in a unique experience where no Christian place would be uh, brave enough to get Muslims in their facility to work alongside with Christians. Uh, But we started this, and in the first year we served 2,000 patients. Last year we served almost 30,000 patients. So it's really a blessing from the Lord that a church of 35 members was able to serve 30,000 patients a year. Uh, if you have time after the church, we'll have more discussion. I'll show you a video, and we'll talk more about this. I hope you can stay in. Uh, please make sure to receive one of these uh, brochures, too. Uh, we will have our website. You can read a lot of, about SMC and about what we uh, do. In, we call it Salem Medical Center, and it's Salam for peace. Salam in, in Arabic means peace. It's like shalom in Hebrew. So it's peacemaking before being a medical center. Uh, I will tell you one incident uh, that can summarize what's going on in this place. Uh, In uh, 2013, after the change of regime uh, and the removal of the Muslim Brotherhood from the uh, governing system, and I was at this time serving as a senator in the Egyptian Senate, appointed by the president of the country, and I resigned from the Senate House to support the change of the regime. Uh, during this time, was a fearful attack against Christian places and churches. 79 churches were burned all over the country. Uh, they were used to go in demonstrations, The Muslim Brotherhood supporters. They would go in demonstrations, and whenever they see any uh, Christian place, they would attack it or burn it. I remember in one of these days, we heard about a demonstration coming from the villages around us by the Muslim Brotherhood supporters, marching into our town. And to my surprise... I saw the young Muslim men in the town lining up in front of the hospital as human shields to protect the hospital in case anybody from the fundamental Muslims might attack the hospital. And this day I cried in tears and said, "The Lord, we didn't waste our time in the past 16 years because we actually, the Lord was able to invest in this community through the Christian people who are ready to help, to, to serve, to show love in a practical way. And I always say, maybe it's a blessing that we are not allowed to speak about our faith. So the only way is to act it out. The only way is to show it in a practical way. And many times I get this question from our staff and from the the patients. Why are you doing so? Why are you helping us while we hate you? Why are you treating our children while the fundamental Muslims kill your children? then it's time to speak about our faith. Why are we doing so? When we build bridges with them, we can easily speak with them. Sometimes we invite them to church. Uh, Of course, some of them come to the Lord along the service, and they cannot do it publicly. They will be killed for this. They have to do it secretly. Uh, The religion is written in their IDs, so you cannot change your ID. They will keep their ID as Muslims. But then, secretly in their hearts, they will worship the Lord, and they accept Jesus Christ as a Savior. Uh, Please share this news with people when you come with us. Uh, I'm I'm not coming here just for fundraising or asking for you to send checks, though it's appreciated, but I pray more for for more partnership, for more prayer partnership, for people who can come and serve. Maybe you can think of a mission trip coming to our place. Uh, You can help even if you're not a a medical person. There are so many ways you can help. Uh, we, We started a program of English teaching, for example, for adults, a lot of programs that do uh, invite Christians and Muslims alongside each other. So please have our brochures, keep in touch with us, uh, sign up for our newsletter, and keep, keep praying for our ministry and tell people more about it. And stay with the ch- after the church if you have time to talk more about our ministry. Thank you so much. Thank
0: you, Dr. Freddy, thank you, thank you. Uh, Dr. Al-Badi has a brother in, in Huntington Beach, so that's why he's here. And he flies back to Cairo tomorrow. So let's raise a hand of blessing, please, for, for Dr. Freddie and the Salaam Medical Center. Gracious God, we pray your richest blessing upon uh, Dr. Freddie and the Salam Medical Center in, in Cairo. We uh, thank you that he is witnessing to the love of Christ uh, without words, but by his, by his deeds and by the deeds of all who help uh, men, women, boys, girls, children. So we commend uh, this good work to your care and keeping. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, doctor. Thank you. Thank you. you.
4: Today we light the first candle of Advent. We relight it. This was the candle of hope. Now we light the second candle of Advent, the candle of love. Jesus demonstrated self-giving love in his ministry as the good shepherd. Advent is the time for kindness, thinking of others, and sharing with others. It is the time to love as God loved us by giving us his most precious gift. God is love. Let us be love also. In the book of Deuteronomy, we find these words from Deuteronomy.
5: For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who is patient is not, who is not um, partial, and takes no bribe. Who, in my thank you, <laughs> who um, who executes justice for the orphan and the widow, and who loves the strangers, providing them with food and clothing. You shall also love strangers, for you are, you were a stranger in the land of Egypt. From the Gospel of John we hear, I give you a new commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciple if you have love for one another.
4: Let us pray. Teach us to love, O Lord. May we always remember to put you first as we follow Christ's footsteps, that we may know your love and show it in our lives. As we prepare for our celebration of Jesus' birth, also fill our hearts with love for the world, that all may know your love and the one whom you have sent, your Son, our Savior. Amen.
6: Prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he was spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life the word of the lord
7: Thank you, God. What child is this? His is sleeping, An angels plead with anthem while shepherds watch our King. The world in solemn stillness lay to hear the angels sing. With the woes of sin and strife, the world has suffered. Oh
6: us pray. Heavenly Father, 2,000 years ago, Jesus entered our world in, on Christmas as the Prince of Peace. As we prepare our hearts to receive Jesus as a baby in a manger, and as we prepare our hearts for when he will come again in glory, fill us with your deep and abiding peace. During this hectic time of celebrations, parties, decorating, and gift-buying, remind us to share that peace with everyone we encounter, especially those who need it most. We pray for our world and those who need a fresh touch from you, for our brothers and sisters in Christ, worshiping you at great risk of persecution. We pray for your hand of protection. Increase their faith and bless their ministries. We pray for those who have lost their homes to fire or flood. May your mercy and blessing overflow. We pray for those among us and in our communities recovering from surgeries and dealing with illnesses. May your hand of healing be on each one and may your grace and blessing overflow. We pray for those grieving the loss of a loved one and feeling their absence this Christmas season. May your comfort and blessing overflow. For those who have little, whether it is little food, shelter, friends, finances, family, we pray that you would open our eyes to see where we can help bring some joy in the name of Jesus, for your honor and for your glory. And it is in his strong name that we lift these prayers. Amen. As we continue our worship, we bring our tithes and our offerings. In your brochures today, we have a deacon's offering envelope. We're accepting the deacon's offering today. Whether you have much or whether you have a widow's mite, may God bless you and may he bless your offerings for his kingdom.
7: choices for yon His law is love and his gospel is
8: peace.
7: Change shall he break for the slave is our brother and in his name all oppression shall cease. Sweet hymns of joy (laughs) Oh. <laughs>
4: to Caesar sent an order that all people in the countries under Roman rule must list their names in a register. This was the first registration. It was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to their own towns to be registered. So Joseph left Nazareth, a town in Galilee, and went to the town of Bethlehem in Judea, known as the town of David. Joseph went there because he was from the family of David. Joseph registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and was now pregnant. While they were in Bethlehem, the time came for Mary to have the baby, and she gave birth to her first son. Because there was no rooms left in the inn, she wrapped the baby with pieces of cloth and laid him in a box where animals are fed. The word of the Lord.
7: Oh, little town of Bethlehem How still we see Thee lie Above Thy deep and dreamless sleep The silent stars go by Yet in Thy dark streets shineth The everlasting light The hopes and fears of all the years. In thee tonight, for Christ is born of Mary and gathered all above, while more sweet stars together, proclaim the holy birth, and praises sing to God the King, and peace to men on earth. Cast out our sin and enter in Be born in us today We hear the Christmas angels The great bad tidings tell O oh come to us, abide with us Our Lord, Emmanuel
0: In the 15th year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea and Herod was ruler of Galilee and his brother Philip ruler of the region of Iturea and Trachonitis and Lysanias, ruler of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John son of Zechariah in the wilderness. He went into all the region around the Jordan proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah, the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make His paths straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low. And the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. The word of the Lord. Advent, from the Latin ad veno, coming toward, is the first season of the church year. And in Advent, we. With all Christians around the world, are coming toward both the first and the second comings, advents of our Savior. Advent is a sacred season full of anticipation, expectation, and mystery. And we at PCC began this Advent tide last Sunday, Advent One, December second, as we sang, "Come Thou Long Expected Jesus," and heard a word from the prophet Jeremiah and the epistle to the Romans. On the second Sunday of Advent, December 9th, the lectionary lessons take us to Malachi 3 and Luke 3. And today the metaphor for our sermon is that of a wilderness. I grew up in La in the 50s and 60s. Wilderness for us as kids was hiking up in the Angeles Crest Highway and perhaps wandering off the beaten paths in the hills of Descansel Gardens. Seems pretty tame by adult standards, but to 10, 11, 12 year old boys, that was a wilderness adventure. In the Bible, Wilderness is metaphorically and literally a place laden with symbols and meaning. You remember that after the exodus from Egypt under the great liberator Moses, the children of Israel wandered in the Sinai wilderness for almost 40 years. It was a transitional period for them from Egypt to the land of promise. And during this interim, in-between time, God worked mightily among them. Later in Israel's history, after the fall of the northern kingdom in 722 and the destruction of the southern kingdom in 586, the prophets rose up with a new word, God's new word of hope and renewal in the wilderness. Last week, Jeremiah. Today, Malachi. all speak of Israel's wilderness renewal, transformation in the desert, Wilderness, and only in the wilderness does Israel find God's transformation and God's renewing presence and grace. So Malachi, the last of Judah's prophets, at the close of the Hebrew canon, rings out, and if we could bring that Malachi slide up, see, I am sending you my messenger to prepare the way before me. Let's take a look at Malachi 3. Scholars virtually have no idea of who Malachi was. No real clue where he lived and for whom he served. Was this a prophet named Malachi? Or simply as his Hebrew name said, my messenger? Perhaps he was an unknown prophet or school of prophets living maybe in post-exilic Judah three or four centuries before the birth of Jesus, it is clear that Malachi lived in expectation. Expectation that God would rise up from fallen Jerusalem in the form of a military figure to lead Judah back to its former glory. More likely, Malachi, when he writes, see, I'm sending you my messenger to prepare the way before me, that Malachi is describing some great Big word, eschatological event by God that would bring in an age of righteousness, an era of peace and prosperity for Israel. Now, Luke will come along five centuries later and say, well, really old Malachi was really, without knowing it or maybe knowing it, was speaking and writing about John. John the baptizer who from the wilderness would receive and proclaim a word from the Lord. So let's take a look at Malachi, Malachi, rather, Luke 3, 1 to 6. The lectionary lessons will take us to Luke's gospel this year in the C cycle, from now till Easter, all in Luke except Epiphany, when we hear about the Magi in Matthew 2. So Luke, between chapters 2 and 3, is going to fast forward some 18 years from the 12-year-old boy Jesus, astonishing His teachers and elders in the Jerusalem temple. One more slide to Luke 3. He's astonishing those elders and teachers with His wisdom at age 12. He's going to fast forward, Luke is, to chapter 3. And we find now the chief protagonist is not the boy Jesus, but the man John. And Luke begins this scene of drama with the naming of those who are in charge of the world and placing the arrival of John's preaching ministry down in the wilderness in this political context. And that comes as no surprise for Luke. It's Luke in the opening words of his gospel who tells us that he is a very careful historian investigating everything. From the very first, he's going to set down an orderly account of events that have been fulfilled among us. And even before Luke 3, surveying the world leaders, in Luke 2, the familiar Christmas narrative, Luke places the birth of Jesus also among the political powers of the day. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus during the reign of Quirinius. Quirinius, governor of Syria. Even old Zechariah, whom we'll look at next week, was introduced to us in the days of King Herod of Judea. Why? Why all this political figure naming? I think Luke does so because these are the folk that only appear to be in charge. And that's key for Luke. Luke. For behind these political names and places is a story of oppression and misery that was building to a new word from God. Luke begins in chapter 3 with the most formidable figures of his day, Tiberius, emperor of Rome, the first emperor of Rome. Augustus Caesar died in 14 AD. His place had been taken by the ruthless Tiberius. Already, Tiberius was worshipped as a god in the eastern parts of the empire. And then Pontius Pilate, he began his reign as governor in 6 AD. Rome had ruled the area for some 100 years, but for the first time, a governor is placed in the coastal Mediterranean community of Caesarea by the sea, named after the first emperor. And from Caesarea and a base in Jerusalem, Pontius Pilate would keep a close eye on always problematic Judah, harshly putting down rebellion after rebellion. And then there's a second Herod, the great's son, Herod Antipas and Philip, his brother, shakily ruling in the north, Jesus' later hometown of Nazareth. Antipas and Philip also ruled by fear and oppression. Most Jews didn't regard Herod's son as legitimate rulers. These are the political rulers of John's day, and then there are the religious rulers, not much better Annas, Caiaphas. Jewish popular resistance had come and gone, and in many cases had been brutally put down. Things were at a tipping point, even exploding point, and devout Jews had longed for a word from God. Old prophets like Isaiah and Malachi had spoken of a time of renewal. God would someday come to restore, and along comes a fiery young prophet down by the riverside, going from towns and villages, preaching and quoting, almost word for word from Isaiah 40. with The voice of the one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make His paths straight. Every valley shall be filled, every mountain and hill shall be made low the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. John the Baptizer, preaching this prophetic, poignant text from Isaiah 40, a day when Judah's sorrow of exile in Babylon would be behind them. And as they walked wearily but expectantly and joyfully home some 800 miles from Babylon back to Jerusalem, they sang a song that someday when a conquering hero would lead them back to the restored Jerusalem, and whereas those returning exiles in 450 A.D. had to trudge up and down valleys, hills, mountains, traverse winding roads, this new mark would knock down hills, fill in valleys, bulldoze mountains, Straighten paths and level roads, and John, and as Malachi's messenger before him, takes this ancient word of Isaiah's exiles to proclaim a word of hope—a word amid the brutality of Tiberius and the treachery of Caiaphas and little Judah, who so needed a word from the Lord, and of all places that word would come not from. Tiberius or Pilate or Herod, it would come to John in the wilderness. We are in the midst of my interim time with you. I've been with you 13 months. You're seeking a new pastor. That's a transitional time. That's an unsettling time. What word of the Lord is covenant hearing? Like God's messenger through John, we hear during this transitional time a reminder of the gospel. And that gospel is preached and heard and followed the same glorious news that you have heard from your former pastor, your current pastors, your faithful laypeople since this church began almost 60 years ago. It's the same gospel that Christians in Egypt and here, throughout the world, and in the day of John the Baptizer down in that muddy Jordan River. It's the gospel the Apostle Paul clearly and compassionately wrote of in his second letter to the Corinthians. God has reconciled us to God through Christ. God has made us friends with God because of the work and person of Christ. Christ. By Christ's birth and life and death and resurrection, we who are so desperately in need of grace are freely and fully given that grace. And that reminder of the gospel has been repeated from this pulpit and will continue to be nourishing to our hearts and in this church. Secondly, during this transitional time, we're going to have a reminder that repentance is always before us. That's an uneasy reminder. Repentance is simply removing anything that keeps us from being friends with God. And we will hear about repentance in this Advent season, and that's why we wear purple. It's a somber color. In this year, and in the years to come, we will make many mistakes and blunders. I will make mistakes and have made blunders, so please continue to pray for me. It's hard to be critical of someone for whom you are praying. And I will remind you week by week of the gospel, and I'll remind you week by week of repentance, and finally in this Advent tide we see that all salvation and all flesh will see the redemption of God. So in these transitional months that we have left to us, we will see the redemption of God to the wealthy, to the poor, to the black, to the brown. Redemption shall be embraced by young and old, married and single. Redemption of God faithfully followed by all flesh, all Americans, all Egyptians, all 50 million refugees of our world who have no home today. We pray for victims and perpetrators of horrific crimes, unbearable sadness for Egyptian believers, fires in our own land, shooting in Thousand Oaks. We have a renewing season of Advent before us in this transitional wilderness where will we hear a word from the Lord the word came to John in the wilderness. So we laid to rest our 41st president in George Herbert Walker Bush this past week. And one of his eulogizers at the Washington National Cathedral said that the president left behind thousands of personal notes. And that was true when I was serving in Kennebunkport, Maine. I can't tell you the number of handwritten cards the president, while he was president, left on people's porches just saying hello. So, in this Advent Tide, a telephone call, a text, an email, better, a handwritten note, may be sent by you to a family member, to a friend, to an enemy which simply says, prepare the way of the Lord, and all salvation shall see the redemption of God. Shall we pray? Gracious God, may the words of our mouths this day, the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing to you, for we know your promises that the grass withers and the flower fades, but... Your glory, your word abides forever. May we take that word of good love into our community this week. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. Longer than six minutes. Joy to the world, the Lord is come,
8: I let every heart be
7: merry and
8: true, and let nature see. i hey.
0: And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit rest and remain with each one this day, this night, in the season of Advent and forevermore. Amen. This is Pastor Charles Fenson again, and we invite you at any point to come and worship with us here at Presbyterian Church of the Covenant in Costa Mesa. We trust that God has been honored by this worship service and that you have been blessed. God be with you.